Hi, friend. On the Finding Something Real podcast, we listen to stories told by young women, hear questions or objections about God, and invite guests on to explore answers found in Jesus Christ. I am currently busy working with other people behind the scenes to create some awesome content for Season 7. During this preparation time, you are listening to a replay episode from Season 6. The episode you're about to listen to is one of several episodes recorded and dedicated to the young woman who's mentioned at the beginning of the episode, because it's her questions being addressed. In some cases, she even co-hosts these conversations with me. In this episode, challenged and encouraged me in my own faith journey, and whoever you are or wherever you're at with faith, I hope it does the same for you. This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Welcome, friend. The Finding Something Real podcast is designed especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. As someone who's been through my own ups and downs with faith, my desire is to create an invitational place for people to process and address questions about God and Christianity. So if you're not sure what you believe about God, I get that. And if you're skeptical, hey, you've come to the right place. But I invite people to go on a journey with me. Because I believe Jesus is real, and my desire is to share him with you. And today we're diving deeper into season six with more questions curated by Gaia from Italy, who co-hosted with me back in April. Every month we try to invite a different young woman to share her story, to talk about her questions, and then we invite on Christian guests who can address her honest questions or topics. So this month we're starting out with some bonus episodes. Uh, These ones are for my friend Gaia. I think you're going to love today's guest and her gracious and thoughtful perspective. Gaia had some unexpected questions for her as we get going on this conversation. And I thought those questions were navigated with truth and grace in a very lovely way. So I'm very excited for this conversation today. We'll go ahead and dive into today's talk in just a moment. But first, a few words regarding stuff that helps keep us on the air. Hi friend, this podcast is sponsored in part by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns, and sometimes we struggle with all that can come our way. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is also a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line, it's not self-help, it's professional counseling done securely online. And as someone with a master's degree in counseling psychology and whom at various times in the past 20 or so years has benefited from seeing a professional therapist, I know the value that professional counseling can bring because we all need someone to talk with and faithful counseling can help. Please visit faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real to sign up for professional faith-based counseling. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. There's also a special offer for Finding Something Real listeners to get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for being a sponsor of this episode. Well, friend, you've heard of it. Maybe you've read it. But even if you're a Christian, statistics say maybe you haven't. It's a worldwide best-selling and definitely a controversial book. What's up with the Bible? Who wrote it and why should it have authority in someone's life? We're going to talk about that today. So welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood, 
and you are listening in for season six, where we are starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity. We have been featuring conversations with or for a young woman named Gaia from Italy. And if you've listened to our episodes, you know Gaia shared some questions she has about faith and she shared her story. Gaia had a lot of questions. In fact, you may be listening to this in July because we just had so many we wanted to address. Um, But some of them were especially pointed at the Bible. Gaia is here today. Gaia, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. That's so exciting to be here. (laughs) How have you been, Gaia? It's been a while since we've chatted. So last time we had a very challenging conversation. And I have to say that I was not expecting all of the answers that I got. And I've been thinking about them because they were very complex, but also very um, straightforward and fruitful. So that was good for me to hear. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that I've been praying more. I have been feeling more connected to Jesus, but I still struggle with feeling connected to what I was raised and born like and baptized, so a Catholic, but I feel definitely more connected to God, which is what I wanted more from to get out of this. Yeah, it's awesome. For just a little recap, although you just shared a little bit there, which was awesome. Um, how are you feeling, especially towards the Bible? Because I know we've talked a little bit about it in previous conversations. It's come up a couple times, like, why should I trust it? Uh, if I don't like what it has to say, that kind of thing. So where are you at with it right now? So uh, it's kind of um, like two sides of it, because sometimes I'm like, I really believe what it says there. So what it's written in there is true, and I have to believe everything that it says. Some other times I'm more like, I'm still doubting about it. So I'm always kind of like trying to figure out more and more and more because I want to get to a point that I'm really sure and I feel very confident about what the word of God is. Yeah, I love that guy. I love that you're searching and you're wrestling with that. And I think today's special guest um, is an answer to your prayers. (laughs) (laughs) I know that we, we talked about who we wanted to invite on here today. And actually, I had scheduled her a long time ago for somebody else, and I just feel like maybe this was a divine appointment. So today's special guest is a teacher and author passionate about understanding the Bible in its original context so that we can glean its wisdom for our own. A producer at The Bible Project, Lindsay helps manage the organization's internationally acclaimed podcast. She's part of the family at Kessid Church, where she serves as a member of the teaching team and as a worship leader. A graduate of Moody Bible Institute, Lindsay is currently in pursuit of a Master's of Divinity at Western Seminary. And when she's not studying or teaching, she enjoys hiking with her beloved dog and hearing someone's story over copious amounts of coffee. That sounds wonderful. Welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast, Lindsay Ponder. Welcome, Lindsay. Thanks, Janelle. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, Well, I'm so excited because back in August, I was with a friend who was kind of going through some hard times, and we decided to go to church. And she decided she wanted to check out this new church that she had heard of. 
uh, called Kesed, which she told me means love, something along those lines. You probably know exactly what it means. Um, I looked it up later. It's this beautiful word. Um, but uh, we go, and she was feeling, you know, when you're hurting, it's really easy to just feel a little like, okay, skeptical of what to expect. And your message that day, because you were teaching that day, was so beautiful and it spoke right to her and to me and I just thought I want to I want to get to know this gal and when I found out that you were also with the Bible Project I thought please come on the podcast I'd love to chat with you a little bit so mm-hmm. thank you so much for being here for saying yes um, I know this is a little different than what you normally do um, tell me a little bit about your work with the Bible Project for those not familiar with it what is it and what do you do there yeah, the Bible Project, um, we're a nonprofit organization, and we make resources and tools that help people understand the Bible, um, what's going on, what's the story it's telling. Um, it's a really, it's a hard book to read and to study, and it can be really confusing. And so the goal of everything that we make is to kind of demystify uh, what's happening in the Bible. And it's all free online um, because we have really generous donors that um, pay us to make stuff, which is really cool. Um, so I work on our podcast team and I started as a writer, um, at Bible project, just writing various content and recently, um, started producing the podcast, which is just a fancy way of saying, I just make sure stuff gets done. Um, <laughs> so it's all on the back end. So super important, being by the way, <laughs> on a podcast is way different than what I'm usually doing. So, wow. And what do you love about working there? Yeah. Um, so many things. Um, I believe in the mission that of what we're doing. Um, and it's really, a just a privilege, um, to get to work on, something that I believe in so much it's also I get paid to learn um I learn all the time about the bible just in the course of my work day and that's wonderful and it's just it's a really healthy uh working environment too which unfortunately is kind of rare for Christian nonprofits maybe all nonprofits but I've only worked in religious ones and um it shouldn't be as rare but it kind of is and so it's been a breath of fresh air in terms of just how they treat people and um, I, I can't say enough good about it. So <laughs> how long have you been there for full-time about a year and a half? I contracted part-time. I started in 2020. Um, so three years total, but yeah, full-time about a year and a half. Mm. Now tell us a little bit about your faith journey. Did you grow up as a Christian? Did you grow up reading the Bible stories? Um, was that something that you loved as a child or what's, what's your background? Yeah, I did. I grew up in a, um, a believing family, um, and grew up attending church. My, my parents are, uh, passionate followers of Jesus, um, and have been my whole life. So really privileged in that. Um, and, I vividly remember deciding to follow Jesus when I was like three Um, and truly, for the most part, um, have loved it ever since. I think my teen years were challenging and college was challenging in different ways. Um, So there have been definite opportunities along the way where 
um, I've wrestled with the Lord and what the Bible says and what it means practically to be a Christian um, and a Christian young woman. And um, I don't know, I just, I've never found anything else um, that truly brings life. And so I keep coming back to Jesus and, and I'm glad. Yeah. When I was listening to you teach at Kesed in Vancouver, Washington, um, one of the things that stood out to me about your sermon was your passion and, and also like imploring the audience, dig deeper, dig deeper in what the word of God says here. Um, you had a passion for the stories that you were sharing. What is one story in the Bible that became richer or more awe-inspiring to you as you dug deeper into the scriptures? One of my favorites is in Matthew 15 because it's short and it's weird. Um, and there's a lot packed into it. It's this story where um, a Canaanite woman approaches Jesus and asks him to heal her daughter. Um, and initially it looks like he's turning her away and he's like, I'm, I only came for the lost sheep of Israel or for the Jewish people, in other words. And um, she continues to press him and press him. And he finally says, um, you know, let it be done to you as you have asked your faith is great. And um, it's this weird, you read it and you're like, what's happening here? Is he just messing with her? Is he turning her away? Is he saying no? And when you read it in its context, um, what becomes clear is he's treating her like a disciple. And Jewish rabbis had this way of relating to their students where they would ask questions and draw them out and um, almost say the opposite of what they mean because they're like challenging their faith. And she sees right through it and she continues to ask him and say like, no, I know who you are. Like, I know that you're the God of Israel and you're the God of the Canaanites and you're the God who met my daughter. And um, so her faith comes shining through and he honors her for it. And especially in a culture where um, women wouldn't have been given the opportunity to be disciples, like it's this totally dignifying interaction for her as a woman. And um, I love what that reveals about the heart of Jesus, that sometimes he says things that challenge us to draw us out but also that there's a place for women at the table um, to study and learn alongside men and and to come under um, the leadership of Jesus in the same way that a man would, which is more common in our culture today, but then it wasn't then. Um, I don't know. I love it. Yeah, I love that. And I've, I mean, I've read that chapter two and been like, why would he say that, you know? And uh, so that that helps me, just you sharing that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gaia, do you have any questions for Lindsay following up on anything she shared so far? I've got uh, quite a bit more questions, but I just thought if you want to jump in, you can. Um, just a very personal question. Um, are you simply Christian or Catholic or Protestant or something? Yeah, um, I'm Protestant, um, although I go to an, a non-denominational church, um, so that, I mean, that could mean so many things, is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, because it, in Italy, it's not common to, you know, meet people that are Protestant, it's just Catholic people, and you, you just don't simply really call someone Christian here, but it's either 
Catholic or Christian Catholic, not just like Christian, like I met in America. So I was just curious about it. That's interesting. I didn't know that. So do you fall into, you said you grew up Catholic. Do you fall into yeah, one of those categories? I was baptized as Catholic because here um, I met people in America that did it differently. But in Italy, when the family is Catholic, which is very common in the South, because people are very conservative and traditional, um, they baptize their kids when they're like one year old or less. So we don't really get to choose uh, because we are put into the church. And I was baptized as a Catholic, but growing up, especially after my exchange year in America, I kind of realized that I don't really feel Catholic because I don't follow or agree with a lot of things that the Catholic Catholicism says um, with the catechisms, with the uh, Catholic catechism. So, yeah, that's about it. Hmm. That's really interesting. Sorry, Janelle. Did it mean? No, that? no, 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 no. I love it. Go ahead. You guys go for it. <laughs> I'm done with questions. I just want to hear what she has to say now. I I'm curious. <laughs> Well, Lindsay, I'm wondering, um, do you think people should read the Bible, which I think maybe is a no duh kind of question, but also like, how is it relevant to younger generations for someone like Gaia? Why should she read the Bible? Yeah, I think that people should read the Bible. Um, I love the Bible, but I, I realize, like I said a little bit ago, it's, it's really a challenging book. Um, but it's absolutely, it's absolutely relevant for younger generations. And I would say um, that's simply because the Bible is a story about God and humanity. Um, and so humans are still humans, um, even, you know, thousands of years after the Bible was written. And um, I think something that is relevant to any generation is reading about that relationship between God and humanity, but also um, there, there's so many ways I could answer this. I think that um, we misperceive the Bible as a rule book a lot of times. And really it's, it's this beautiful story crafted to um, create wisdom in readers that the more that we read it and the more we mull it over, the more we learn God's heart, which helps us know how to then go out into the world and say, what is the heart of God in a given situation or for this person that I'm interacting with or for this decision that I have to make that I don't know how. And so it's not necessarily that we read it because it's going to give me this list of do's and don'ts or rights and wrongs. Um, there is some of that, but the goal of it is wisdom, making people wise. Um, and so that's, you know, the only foolproof way that I know to um, become a wise human who knows how to navigate my world the way that Jesus would in reading the, the text that he, he read and that he loved. Am I answering your question? Yes, <laughs> I love this. I literally love this already. <laughs> Would you say that another purpose of the Bible is to know God, to have an understanding of who He is? Because apart from it, how do, I mean, we have evidence of Him. The Bible talks about that, right? All, all around us, we have 
evidence in nature and evidence in the things that we can see. But how how does the Bible stand apart? Because I think one thing I hear from people that have come on this podcast, Lindsay, is they'll say, well, I agree that it's a book of stories, maybe of wisdom, but the idea that it's special, that it's authoritative, that there's a reason why I should listen to this book and put it above anything else, that's way more challenging. How do you respond to that? Because I'm sure you live in the Portland, Oregon area. (laughs) You've heard some of that argument before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's definitely um, a prevalent way of thinking in Portland. And frankly, um, it's a prevalent way of thinking among even people that I graduated Bible college with have kind of, um, I think, come up against you know, really challenging life situations and questions that they're like, I, um, I don't know how they, I don't think they have a paradigm for the Bible that fits with what they're grappling with in the world. And so it's a lot easier to say, well, the Bible must not be authoritative then. Um, I think it's, it's easier to do that than to leave something unresolved as, um, and continue to wrestle. That's hard to do. Um, I think one thing that's helpful for me in terms of thinking what sets the Bible apart um, is Jesus saw it as set apart. And so if I, and I think that's really, that's the starting point because it's not like, I mean, we could come up with proofs for God or proofs for why the Bible is accurate, but ultimately the question to me comes down to, do you find Jesus captivating? Um, is Jesus someone that you want to trust? Because Jesus trusted the scriptures. You know, he saw um, the Hebrew Bible, which he also grew up reading probably in a way pretty similar to to catechesis, ironically. You know, Jewish children grow up like learning and memorizing um, the text and certain responses to the text. Um, I've never gone through catechesis, so I, I don't know how similar it is, but I would imagine kind of similar, you know, they're in school for for a long time. And yet Jesus comes on the scene and he, he sees those texts as authoritative and he sees them as the divine and special word of God. And he also says, I, you know, Jesus, I am the fulfillment of those texts. Like all those texts are pointing to me. Um, And so I would say if nothing else, we accept the authority of written scripture um, because Jesus has authority and not the other way around. So, you know, if there's some kind of intellectual challenge about like, I don't know, I, know, I don't know if these texts are authoritative, but I like Jesus. I think we're maybe going at it backwards when we're trying to get the text to prove Jesus and instead starting with Jesus and saying, well, Jesus has authority from God. He is God. Um, and I trust Jesus. And so because I trust Jesus and his authority, I trust the text that he came in fulfillment of. Yeah. I think that's how I would respond to that. That's good. How about the New Testament then? The text that came after Jesus. How do you respond to people going, oh, okay, I, I, I get that. Jesus said that these were authoritative. He even talked about Adam and Eve. I mean, some of the harder stories, even Jonah, Jesus talks about. So sure. I, can tr- I can trust that. But uh Paul wrote most of this in the New Testament. How do we know we can trust Paul? Who's this guy? Like, 
How do you respond to, to that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I would say there's no simple way to answer that. Um, the simplest way that I would say is, um, it's, it's the same argument ultimately, um, because the new Testament is the account of Jesus. Um, and even the writings of Paul, um, none of them are in conflict with Jesus's teaching and they are, um, you know, they're an extension of, um, the first disciples, um, who learned under Jesus writing for us later, what they learned from Jesus. Um, and again, I, I don't mean to leave this nebulous, but I don't, I don't think that there, I don't think that there is a way that we can prove something beyond the shadow of a doubt. And it, it has to come down to like, I'm reading these accounts of Jesus and do I believe that he is who he says he is? Um, and subsequently believe that he's entrusted something to his disciples to share too, um, which is what we find in the new Testament. And I, I, I feel like I would want to also maybe respond to the question of authority with a follow-up, which is like, what makes accepting the Bible as authoritative challenging? Because on the one hand, if the authority of the Bible is a challenge, because something in my life is out of sync with what I find in the Bible, then I feel like it's not so much a question of authority, but whether it's authoritative or not, do I want to submit to it? Then it's a question of submission. And if it's still a, an intellectual challenge, um, these are really big questions, but there is research on it. Um, and a lot of uh, really good responses to this, but it's a, uh, I have professors, you know, teaching whole course seminars on this, um, like entire semesters worth of classes. And I would say you should study like, and wrestle it out if it's an intellectual challenge. I don't know. I'm just rambling now. No, 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 you're not. This is great. Um, and I love um, how you're putting the focus on trusting Jesus and then allowing the rest to kind of be an outflow of that, because I think that's kind of what we talk about on this podcast quite a bit. Um, but Gaia, I loved how Lindsay just responded to that. Um, is your you know problem with the authoritative nature of scripture because it's, you know, you're questioning um, who wrote it, where did it come from, or is it that there's some things in there that you just don't like what it has to say? Um, and I'm wondering how you respond to that, because I know we've talked a little bit about this, and um, just based on some of our conversations, I could guess some of the, the objections you might have, but I'd love for you to share with Lindsay, since she's not familiar with those previous conversations, and maybe you guys could have a little conversation here about that. So basically what I have been questioning myself about um, comes from a conversation that I had when I was in America. Actually, I wasn't in America anymore. I had just gotten back um, from America. I was home and I don't remember really the context, but I was talking to someone about um, how God designed us and how it wants us to be if he wants to be like he designed us. And if there's a way that he doesn't want us to be designed. And I remember that this person told me that God doesn't design us to be um, 
in case homosexual so that would be a sin according to the bible but i have never really read it so i can't really say if the bible says it's a sin and whether it says it i still can't believe it like i refuse myself to believe that god thinks that being gay is a sin i just can't and i don't care if the bible says it but i really can't can't really believe that because i i believe and trust god's love and i think that jesus just loves us with like you know no limit so why would he care if we are the way he designed us to be or not and i don't even think he really designed us to be in a certain way if you know what i'm i don't know if i explained myself but it's kind of hard to explain because i'm still very confused about it because in the previous conversation um which were very deep and interesting and complex um it was said that basically it is a sin because of what um reproduction is so a family that is composed by a mom and a dad which gives the result of a you know a kid and that cannot happen between two women or two men but that's i think that that's different from the concept of love which i don't think it really has limits friend if you're enjoying this episode you may also enjoy exclusive bonus content each month Finding Something Real is a podcast that has some costs associated with it. We have a website, monthly subscriptions to stay organized. We design things. We like to pay an assistant producer who keeps things going around here, that kind of stuff. We're not in the business of trying to make money, but we are in the business of wanting to keep this show going and be sustainable. So we use Patreon. And if you haven't heard of it, Patreon is the best place for creators to build memberships by providing exclusive access to their work and a deeper connection with their communities. Each month, patrons who support Finding Something Real get a bonus episode where we recap the month's episodes. Often those episodes feature our co-hosts and they will often share what this journey was like. There's other perks over there too, and it's easy to get involved. Just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click support at the top of the page. We'd love to have you over there in our Patreon community. I'm understanding what you're saying. I think you explained that really well. Janelle, do you want me to respond yeah, to that? absolutely, <laughs> okay. Lindsay. <laughs> I can totally understand why that's a hang-up. Um, here's where I would start. Um, maybe not even, maybe more broadly than just the issue of sexuality. Um, which is really important. Um, but in terms of what the Bible calls sin and what it doesn't call sin, um, I would want to go back to um, the beginning of the Bible, the first human sin, um, which is in Genesis 3. Um, you're probably like familiar with versions of this story, even if you haven't read it, Gaia, but um, the summary is, God makes two humans, Adam and Eve, puts them in a garden and says, you can eat from any tree except for this one tree in the middle of the garden. Um, the serpent, um, who we call Satan in other places, comes in and says, did God really say that you can't eat from this tree? 
um, and Eve sees that the tree looks good. And so she takes it, she takes from the fruit. Um, and this is the Bible's account of the first human sin. And she and Adam are ashamed and God comes to them and says, why did you do that? And then the rest of the story of the Bible unfolds with God continually seeking out humanity and humanity continually repeating this same cycle. Um, and I think one thing that's in that story that we miss sometimes is um, the sin isn't the fruit itself. The sin is for whatever reason, um, God has said, it's good for you to eat from any of these trees. It's not good for you to eat from this one tree. And it's not really clear why in the text, it's not really clear why he says that. Um, so the sin occurs when Eve sees, she looks at this tree and she says, it looks good to me and I take it. And so in that moment, she chooses to trust what looks good to her instead of what God has said is good. Um, and that's the framework that I would want to come at any text in the Bible that um, as challenging as it is, um, when we come to a point where we're like, okay, the text says, God has said in his word, this thing is not good for me. Um, it comes down to a decision. Of, will we trust what looks good to us or what God has said is good? for humans. Um, and that's the framework that I would tackle questions of sexuality and any other question. And it doesn't make it easier. Um, and I think part of, part of faith is coming to those moments and saying like, this feels kind of wrong to me. Like I should be able to eat from this tree. Um, and choosing to trust anyway that I know the heart of God is love. Um, cause I think you're spot on when you say the character of Jesus is loving, but, um, the Bible also says that God's ways are higher than our ways. Um, but he works in a way that we can't always understand at least this side of eternity. And I do think there are things in the Bible that we have to kind of take on faith and say, God says, this is good. And I trust him and his love. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I it's get not what a very fun answer. <laughs> I get what you're saying. You know, it's um, how can I say? It's such a complex topic for me because I am surrounded by a lot of people that are gay, and I'm really close to them. Like they are my friends. I love them, and it just makes me feel weird about fate that they are like not designed according to the bible whatever they're not designed from god to be that way i feel like god wouldn't would never reject them because they were created by god so i really really struggle with this topic i must say even though you know i'm not gay or whatever i don't i don't really feel i'm involved in this personally and directly but i'm surrounded by people that way they believe in god and go to church and love god so it feels kind of sad that they wouldn't be loved i mean not loved but like they would, would they wouldn't be considered 
like everyone else. Totally. Um, I love the compassion and empathy that you have um, for the people around you. I think that's really, really beautiful and totally part of the heart of God. Um, and I guess, again, I would say, I I would never say the, that the Bible says God is rejecting those people because of um, an attraction that they feel. And this is something my friend Branna, who's been on the show before, um, talks about a lot too, is um, the, the attraction, feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm born gay or I'm attracted to the same sex. Um, I don't think that that itself is sin or is, um, I, I don't think that that is something that God looks at and says, you're condemned because you feel a certain way. Um, but I, I do think the way of Jesus is narrow. Um, the way he calls his followers to live is hard. And so it's not that they can't be right with God because of how they feel. Um, I would say anything the Bible calls a sin, if I'm walking in it and I choose to walk after Jesus and follow him, there's, you know, a number of things that have to change in my life that I have to lay down. That's what the Bible calls taking up your own cross and following Jesus, because it's like I'm following Jesus into his death and his life. And there are things that are in my life that aren't compatible with the way of Jesus, but it's a choice that he gives us. It's not like, oh, I'm just, you know, blanket condemning all gay people or something. It's like Jesus extends an offer and says, do you want to follow me? And if you do, there's lots of things, not just, um, you know, not just this issue that, that have to change. Yeah. yeah. And I just to piggyback on that, too, you know, like it starts just like Lindsay, you were sharing earlier. It starts with relationship with Jesus. It doesn't start with, you know, I don't know anyone who's ever turned from their sin because, oh, I need to turn from my sin. I'm now going to be like doing all the things. It starts with a relationship with God. It's his love that compels us to make those choices. You know, this is a silly example, but last night my husband and I were watching this viral show on Netflix, Outlast. Have either of you watched that? I don't know. It's like no, alone on steroids. Oh, I couldn't even watch it anymore because in my nature, I was sinning so bad because all of a sudden I hate, hate is a, is a strong word, but very much dislike some of these people that are being portrayed on TV. And it's almost Lord of the Flies, like they're starting to, you know, to fall into this moral pit of wrongness. And I'm just feeling so judgy. And my husband and I are both getting really bitter and angry. And I kept thinking of um, that line. Gosh, I can't remember. Lindsay, you might remember who said this. Maybe it was Tozer. I don't know. But the line of good and evil runs through our own hearts. Um, mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, sometimes, we think, yeah, sometimes we think it's out there, but it's really here. And I had a choice. I, I could just keep on watching it and engaging in this, knowing my heart was going down this place where it shouldn't be. And, and also justifying like, hey, I want to watch this. And I mean, millions of people around the world are watching this with no problem. Or I can choose to turn it off because I love Christ and I don't 
I don't want the spirit of my life to be this. Right. Um, partly we turned it off. Partly I just got tired. Right. But here's, here's the moral of the story. Like it comes from relationship with Jesus and being in love with him that life change happens. The life change, it doesn't happen before Christ. Christ compels us into, wow, I'm so in love with him. I want what he wants. His ways are the way, the truth, and the life, right? He came to give us freedom. The more we follow after him, the more I want what he wants, even if it doesn't always make sense. Um, But then, Lindsay, what I hear you saying is as you go deeper in the word of God, as you go deeper in scripture, you're discovering a treasure trove of things like, wow, this is, because I think for me, I always learned that this is a tangent, I'm sorry, but I grew up, you know, going to Sunday school. The scriptures are simple. Anyone can come to Christ. That's so true. That's so true. But beneath that, there is a richness to to the word of God and it just makes you hungry for more. Is that what I'm hearing you say, Lindsay? I mean, I feel like that's what's happened in my own life. It seems like that's what's happened in your life. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the word of God is infinite because God is infinite. And so we could study it for a lifetime and not totally plumb its depths. But there's also, it was written in a context that's so removed from our own that I think it takes a lot of study and a lot of time spent with it. And that's just kind of the reality um, of really, I think, understanding it on its own terms. Um, But there's a beauty and a reward that comes from putting the time and effort in. Yeah. I want to ask you more about that here in a second, but Guy, I'm watching your face. I want to know where you're at right now, like how you're feeling about this conversation. If you have any follow-up things you want to say. No, I'm just really, um, I would say hypnotized by this because it is so deep and it's really, you know, it really touches the topic that, as I said, is kind of hard for me because I'm surrounded by that. So I feel it very personal, more than who wrote the Bible, why would he trust it, whatever. This kind of theme is really, really important to me. And sometimes, you know, that is something that kind of holds me back from getting closer to God. That is really something that makes me say sometimes, like, I don't know if I want to be a Christian just because of that. So that's why I really want to clarify it. Even though I can't really imagine myself not following God, like it is important for me to pray. It is important for me to feel protected. It is important for me to feel connected to God. So I know I might get disappointed from this. It's kind of like I I might feel disappointed by him, but I mean, it is what it is, I guess. Do you feel, Gaia, like you, if you got closer to Jesus... Um, and you found in, in the Bible, like your friend said, and like, you know, we've discussed on the podcast that the act of homosexuality is a sin along with a lot of other things, um, that it would make you love your friends less or be less loving towards them. No, I can't, I can't change that. No, um, let me rephrase it. Do you feel like you would love your friends less if you love Jesus more? Oh, okay. 
No, I don't think that would happen because, I mean, I have this kind of doubt. So I'm not either certain or uncertain about this. But yet I love my friends a lot. So I don't think that knowing and getting to know the answer would really change that because now I don't know the answer. So I don't really have an answer whether it's yes or no. So whether if I knew it was yes or no, that wouldn't really change it because now I don't know it. So I want to ask you a hard question. This is a hard question for anyone to answer. So, <laughs> But I'm just wondering, what do you think loving those friends looks like? Like what, what is love for you, Gaia? Um, wow. Okay. So are you referring to my specific gay friends or just generally? It can be generally, but since we're talking about your friends and your deep love for them, yeah, let's talk about those friends in particular. What does it mean to love them? Um, it just means really being there for them when they need me. For example, today, right today in school, we I was talking to this friend whose name is Pietro, which is the name of one of Jesus' followers. In fact, in Italy, we have the Cathedral of St. Peter. So um, I was talking to Peter and he has a boyfriend that is kind of not very good for him. And he was sad about it. So I was listening to him. And that really doesn't make me like, doesn't really make a difference whether he has a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I don't really care because that's not my you know situation. That's not my relationship. And I love him because I want to see him happy. So Loving my friends means being there for them when they need me because I want to see them happy. I want them to know. I want them to be like thankful that they have such support because support isn't granted. It's not that everyone can be supportive to us. So I always want to make sure that I'm a supportive friend. So that's my definition of love and believing in my friends supporting their choices not judging them even when they make mistakes like he made a huge mistake today and i told him i'm not gonna judge you i'm not gonna say you were stupid whatever i'm just i just want you to understand that this isn't good for you because i want i want you to be good i want you to be happy i want to be i want to see you at your highest i want i want you to say oh today's such a great day i'm happy Thanks for suggesting this. So that's kind of my definition of love for my friends, always believing in them and supporting their choices in checking on them, because that's important. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I think it's early in the morning here. It's not early enough. I don't have a coffee. So if I don't <laughs> articulate this well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll just cut it out. But... Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, I'm a mom and I've now been a mom for 13 and a half years, almost 14 years. It's crazy. And I've got four kids and then we have exchange students. So I feel like I've got this mom thing. I'll never have it down, but I'm figuring it out. Right. And one of the things that I've learned having kids is I can love and support them even when I don't agree with their life choices, even when um, their father and I 
uh, know that there's something better for them than what they're choosing. For instance, I have four. They're all very different personalities. One of them has a very aggressive um, justice orientation, and he's very loud. And he likes to tell everybody what they're doing wrong all the time when he himself cannot live by it. And it is very hard as his mother sometimes to appreciate that, right? But I love him. I love him so much. And often we're having conversations. And what I I think is sometimes lost in our culture, and, and obviously Italian culture is different than American culture, but I think especially as I talk with young people, there's this confusion between acceptance and love, uh, approval of life choices and love. And for me to love my children is to say, I love you and I support you. But if you go this way, and sometimes we don't have to have conversations like this with people in our lives, right? Because we haven't earned the right, but I've earned the right. I held these babies in my belly for nine months. You know what I'm saying? Like, I earned the right to speak truth into their life. Like, and plus, by God, I believe that he's ordained for me to discipline them, right? And lead them in the way they should go. And so I'm like, I love you. But if you continue down this path, it's going to lead to destruction. And I care about you too much to not tell you that. And so sometimes... Um, I feel like that love is ground, not sometimes, all the time, love is grounded in truth. It doesn't mean we all go around telling everybody, you're right, you're wrong, right? Like my one of my children likes to do. Uh, that's just, that is not our job. But what it does mean is that my authority, the person, the word of God that has more authority in my life than anything else, you know, the Lord, he is the one who informs the way that I love other people. And the Bible says that his love, that's, I mean, all the love that we have is just a glimmer of the love that he has, right? It's just a tiny reflection of the beauty that he has, a tiny reflection of what we don't even know the riches of his love because we could not possibly love your friend Peter anywhere close to how God loves him already, just as he is. And one of the themes that I had for this season um, is come as you are. And I, I love that. But the thing is, Jesus never leaves us the same. He never leaves us the same. When we come as we are, he always invites us to something better. And that's part of the, the beauty of relationship with Jesus. It's not, I think sometimes we think he's going to take away when really he's giving. He's giving something better. So anyway, I'm, I'm totally going on a tangent there. I might cut some of that out. I don't know. We'll see. Lindsay, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I love what you shared. Um, and I think that was really well said. I think something that stood out to me about what you said, Gaia, is um, there was a moment where I think you defined love really similarly um, to how the Bible defines love because you talked about you love Peter and he came to you and told you that he made a mistake today and um, you weren't judging him but you were like as someone who loves you I want what's good for you I think is what you said and um, I think that's a huge part um, of the biblical definition of love is love is earnestly desiring someone's best 
um, what's really good for someone. And so I think a, a couple of thoughts or maybe questions that I have about that are in the framework of this conversation are who, who gets to define what is good and what is best? You know, do we, in our own opinion making, get to define what's good for someone um, or does God? And again, that's where I'd like take this question and wrestling with it. But also, I, I don't think that there's anything about how you love your friends and what you just described that really has to change. Um, you know, it's even if you change your mind about this issue or something else, um, I don't think your love for them really needs to be demonstrated any differently. Like you can still talk to Peter about, um, or anyone about their relationship and say, I feel like you're being mistreated. Um, I, I just, I don't think that that has to change. And I also don't think that most of the time it's not our job, <laughs> um, as Christians or as Protestants or as Catholics, um, to look at someone and say, like, I think your behavior needs to change unless it's in the context of something you're describing right now. And this, this is my opinion. I don't think this is in the Bible, but I would never just unsolicited go to my friends and say, your life needs to change. But if they're coming to me because they're hurting and there's an opportunity before me to say, like, I think this is bad for you. Like, I think you're hurting yourself. Um, that's the only time I think that we have any authority with friends specifically to, to say that kind of thing. So I'm over explaining to say, like, I don't really think that your friendships needed. Whatever you believe about the Bible doesn't have to change your friendships. That's what I'm trying to say in too many words. Any feedback on that? Wow. <laughs> I really needed to hear that. Good. Jesus makes us love people more, not less. You know. Um, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So it, it doesn't mean, like I said, that you think, oh, yeah, you're making the best choices. I mean, how many friends, not just your gay friends, other people in your life, do you know are making poor choices and you love them anyway? You love them anyway. You love them through it, right? It doesn't, it, it doesn't change that. It only, Jesus loved people more than we ever can. Um, and he still does. Uh, Lindsay, I know we're running out of time here and I want to ask you a couple final questions. Um, I just love it when we get to share the gospel message on here. And as somebody who really studies the Bible, I know you're familiar. Um, would you tell us what you find most compelling about the gospel story? And for someone listening who's not familiar with um, the message of what Jesus has done, would you share that? Yeah. Um, gospel uh, is a word that means good news. And so what we believe the gospel is, is that there's bad news first. Um, that God, well, no, there's good news first. <laughs> there's good news, then there's bad news, then there's more good news. The first good news is that God makes humans um, to be his partners, and he puts us in a beautiful world 
um, to have a relationship with us, to partner with us in how the world gets taken care of. Um, and humans mess it up. Um, the first humans sever their relationship with God and do what they think is good instead of what God thinks is good. And humanity has been doing that ever since. Um, and so God sends his son, Jesus, um, to come and proclaim the good news again. And the good news is he says, the kingdom is here, the kingdom of God. Um, I've come to restore your relationship with God and you can have in. Um, and when we participate in God's kingdom, it means we have to leave behind our sin. Um, we have to repent of our sin, but that the moment we do, there is forgiveness for us and there is redemption for us and God makes us clean and pure. And then participating in his kingdom isn't the kind of kingdom where people are um, oppressed and manipulated, but it's the kind of kingdom where um, enemies are loved and people who persecute us are prayed for and the oppressed are liberated. Um, and we get to carry on that very mission that Jesus came for um, as we live as his followers. Um, and I would say that that, that piece is, is what I find most compelling about the gospel is that it's, um, it's a system of belief that invites us to life change that looks a lot like loving our neighbor um, and defending the defenseless and advocating for justice for the oppressed. And um, I think that the way of Jesus is the most beautiful um, kind of living that I have ever had the privilege of seeing. I loved what you shared. Great. If people want to know more about the Bible Project, which one of the things I think you touched on, but I just want people to hear this. If you're interested in the Bible and you want to dive deeper, the Bible Project, they specialize in creating content that is easy to absorb and really um, is amazing at explaining stories in context of, you know, the historical stuff. So um, they do like, cart are they called cartoons? They're not even called cartoons. What are they called? There's, you know what I'm talking uh, about. Animations. Animation. <laughs> yeah, they do animation. It's uh, beautifully done. It's really well done. And um, they're short videos. I think they're, you know, between a couple minutes to 10 minutes, right? Lindsay, you know more about this than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Like Less than 10 minutes, I think, for the yeah. most part. They're like five to seven yeah. minute videos. And they're just, they're amazing. And what you guys are doing is so great. So how can people find out more about that if they want to dive a little deeper? Yeah, um, we're on all social media platforms. And um, as well as uh, all our videos are on YouTube. Uh, we just got on TikTok. And um, we have a website. It's just bibleproject.com and everything is free, um, which shameless plug, Gaia, we have a series um, on our podcast, which shameless plug because I work on our podcast. But um, you should check it out if you want to keep exploring questions about who wrote the Bible and all of that, because we have a whole series on it. It's called Paradigm. Um, and it's about understanding the Bible on its own terms. But I think we have an episode called Who Wrote the Bible? Um, I know we didn't get into that in detail, but 
we have that at Bible Project. So give it a listen. We'll put a link in Thank the show you. notes for sure. Um, all right, final question here. And then Guy, if you have any thoughts at the end, uh, after Lindsay shares, feel free to add anything at the end here, okay? Um, the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Real is an acronym for those things. Um, all that can be found in relationship with Christ. Which of those things stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Yeah, I think authenticity. Um, it's definitely something I value in my relationships, but um, I love the authenticity of of the human stories we see in the Bible. And even as I, like, they're amazing stories in English, but as I study them in their original language, the more I see, like, the way that humans interact with God is raw and honest. Um, and I think that that's something I'm continually learning to walk out with God is to be authentic before him. Um, and I love that there is an example for me in scripture of humans coming before a good God in all of their painful, raw authenticity and being received with love and compassion. Um, so that's what's resonating most with me today. I love that. And for somebody who maybe is, you know, thinking, okay, maybe I'll start reading the Bible, what book would you suggest that people start diving into? I always suggest starting with John. Um, it's my favorite. So maybe that's just selfish. But um, I just love the way the story of Jesus is told in John. And I would say, if you don't know anything else about the Bible, um, start with Jesus because he's the one who's really captivating and compelling and he reveals the heart of God um, in the most full way uh, that we have access to it. We see it in Jesus. So that's where I would start. Love that. Any final thoughts, Gaia? No, I just, I feel like I shared everything. I was just listening to the final question in the final answer. It was very, very interesting. Thanks for sharing all that you shared and for explaining and for touching the most difficult topic for me. Yeah, of course. It was really nice to meet you, Gaia, and you ask really good questions. So thanks for challenging my mind this morning. <laughs> Well, Gaia and Lindsay Ponder, thank you both so much for being here today. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that. 
But if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with him. Until next time.